Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of 2022. Uh, I hope that you are all doing well out there. Please let me know in the chat where you are stopping in from. Doing things a little bit differently today, doing a little bit of a solo show, seeing how that how that goes. Still going to have some guests for the, the new and the full moon uh, later on in January, but um, try to take you through the the uh the highlights of january so i can prepare you on this winter solstice day so happy winter solstice to all of you all right so we are starting off this month um with jupiter and pisces uh at the end of the at the end of december here jupiter is going to be moving into pisces we'll go over some of the the highlights here before we get into the nitty-gritty uh saturn is in aquarius uh, just separating from a square from uranus we've got a mercury uh, that is going to be retrograding in January this month. We've got Venus in the midst of her retrograde, making a Kazemi stationing direct at the end of the month. Mars moves into Capricorn. The North Node moves into Taurus. We've got a new moon on January the 2nd and a full moon on January the 17th. So some big picture thoughts that we have going on here. I'm seeing some people stopping in from the chat. It's very nice to see all of you. Hope that you're doing well out there. Um, Andrea's stopping in from Croatia. Uh, Space Tiger Tarot. Andrea is actually going to be my guest for the new moon in Capricorn. I think that's going to be on December the 31st. So uh, I'm really glad that, that she's stopping in. Very talented um, astrologer and tarot reader. So make sure you to um, check that out. We've got Casey Jones stopping in from Oregon and Cheryl here from Washington State. Nice to see all of you. A uh, few things before we dive into the astrology. I gave you kind of the big picture thoughts. Um, just a few more housekeeping things before we kind of dive into it here. I am running my, my Decans of Capricorn workshop in, in January. That's going to be happening on January the 15th. You can sign up with an early bird discount until the end of December with the 20% off coupon code CAPRICORN20. Uh, there is also a winter bundle where you can sign up for Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces all together and get a little bit of an extra discount. So there is a link to that in the description of this video, or you can find it at my website, spencermichaud.com. If you would like to support the work that I do here with these readings and these videos and, and all of the things that I'm working on, uh, a couple things you can do, make sure if you're not subscribed to the channel, subscribe, hit that like button for me, can help the algorithm get out to more people. If you'd like to make a material donation during the live stream, there's a little dollar sign in the chat box, that's called a super chat or a super sticker. If you have a particular question that you want to ask me, you can hit that super, super sticker or super chat and it'll show up and I'll highlight and I'll be able to see it in the chat box and I will do my best to get to that question. Um, you can also make a donation at buymeacoffee.com. I am taking new clients right now for the new year, so if you are interested in getting your chart read or learning about the transits that are coming up for the new year, you can also book at spencermichaud.com. All right, my friends, that's, those are all my business things out of the way. Uh, let's take a look at the chart. We've got a few more people stopping in. We've got Christopher coming from Denver, Colorado, and the Winter Trine Muse from Oregon Coast. Um, got a, all of our, our West Coasters here today. We've got a, quite a faction from, from Oregon stopping by. So welcome to all of you. All right, so here we are looking at the 
chart of January 1st, uh, 2022. We are kind of flipping over the calendar here into a new year and starting to kind of get this new energy. Today is kind of the first day of Capricorn as I'm recording this on the 21st of December, where we're seeing the, the return of the light. And for the next few weeks, we may be trying to decide where where we want to, to build our, our next project or our next um, ornate structure. We are in the time period where Saturn is sort of highlighted. Um, the sun is in the domicile of Saturn in Capricorn. And right now, Saturn is hanging out in one of its preferred domiciles, Aquarius. So we may be really thinking about the big picture with the sun in Capricorn with uh, Saturn in Aquarius ruling that sun or providing the clay for the potter of the sun. There's a, an astrologer I really like named Martin Hermes that thinks of the planet in a sign as the potter or sort of someone who is taking an action and the planet that is providing for the planet as the ruler of the house as the clay or the material that they have to work with. So right now the sun is in a, in a place that is concerned with building up material structures, but also um, getting rid of the old. So it's like out with the old, in with the new type of thing. And, you know, Saturn is going to be providing sort of a, a 30,000 foot viewpoint to be able to build from a new blueprint is what we're looking at here. One of the things I really like to talk about with Saturn and Jupiter in particular is we've got Saturn kind of creating the, the platonic forms, the idealized forms that then Jupiter newly ingressed into Pisces at the beginning of the month is sort of acting as a demiurge or someone who is the architect that is creating from those plans. So right now we've just recently seen the separation of Jupiter and Saturn with Jupiter ingressing into the sign of the fish and Pisces. So a little bit of a different vibe. Jupiter has been hanging out in Aquarius for the last six months or so. We got a little taste of Jupiter and Pisces at the very, uh, like it's sort of the be the beginning quarter of 2021. I believe that was somewhere between February and May. We got a little test of it, taste of it. Um, and I know that for me, particularly around that period of time, I was starting to question the grind and going off in search of a, maybe a new animating purpose or principle and seeing how I could be more efficient with my time and and things of that nature. So some of those things are going to be coming back. Jupiter right now is moving very fast. So we're going to see Jupiter moving through Pisces within four or five months here and then ingressing into Aries. So it's in its really the fast part of its cycle. So one of the things I think about with that overall with just January in general is the dreams that we may have with Jupiter and Pisces where we're going off in search of some kind of um, new meaning, some kind of new ethics, some kind of new moral principle uh, may lead us to some pretty interesting manifestations. Uh, it's kind of like if you can if you can dream it, it may come into to physical reality much quicker than normal because of Jupiter's access to all of its own resources. Now, there are limitations that we're working within. I happen to believe that when a planet is in a higher sphere, I guess, planetary sphere and in the sort of celestial sphere model that we are working with, with a geocentric model of the cosmos that traditional astrology has been drawing upon, you're still going to be beholden to that Saturnian blueprint. 
Um, so I think that we're still in this phase where we need to think about the collective good. We need to think about the type of ideals that we have moving forward. Um, planets and air signs require some flexibility. Things aren't as solid and secure as we might normally be used to. I know this is something that we've talked a lot about on this channel and also in my own domestic family situation is it's really requiring us to be, um, uh, I don't know, to, to not have a ton of solid expectations about how things are going to be because things are shifting so quickly. So it requires us to think on our feet. Um, we may not have all the information right away. So we have to kind of wait until we get a clearer picture of where we want to go. And I think that that's the that's what Saturn requires of us is that patience, that endurance. And this is true with the, the sun and Capricorn as well. Um, one of the ways I think you can think about the difference between Capricorn and Aquarius and, and that those two Saturn ruled signs is um, I like to think of Capricorn as everything inside the castle walls. We're building ma the material structures that are going to support us. And when we get to Aquarius, we may see uh, everything outside the castle walls, right? All the things that are in exile that have been cast out. And the other thing you can think about with Aquarius and Saturn is sort of the, the energy of, how do I want to put this? The energy of ideas that may feel limiting, like a glass ceiling type of energy where we are only allowing the type of information that will support a specific narrative. So one of the things that Saturn and Aquarius is limiting is sort of like people that want to say, well, th these are the only facts that, that we're going to allow into our consciousness because these are what supports our specific narrative. So I would caution you to make sure that you're staying open to multiple perspectives around this period of time and you're not just taking the information that supports your specific narrative because that can back you into a corner that can be really hard to get out of. The other thing too is we're trying to maybe release some of our limiting beliefs around this period of time as well. Um, we're also, you know, Saturn being really strong is, is encouraging us to be a little bit distant. Uh, we're still in the midst of the pandemic with the, the Omicron variant really starting to, to wreak havoc in various areas. Uh, areas of the world, especially where I live in the Midwest. So we're, we're being asked to, to be responsible and to think of the communal good and, and to maybe delay some of the plans that we had. And it's a really tough thing to do. And, and we've been doing this for a long time now. And I know that there's some fatigue around that, but hopefully we can, we can muster up the strength to keep uh, doing what is best for the most amount of people. Yeah, Lisa in the chat is saying confirmation bias. Yeah, that's a really great word for Saturn and Aquarius because we we tend to like say, oh, well, this is our truth based on what we what we want it to be, right, <laughs> or what we think it should be, and we're gonna we're gonna only cherry pick the facts that will support that on some level. So, and this is true for people on all sides of political spectrums, all different demographics. Um, everybody does it. So it's something just to be aware of that if if you're you know if you're feeling opinionated about something 
um, be careful that you aren't falling into that trap of, like Lisa says, the confirmation bias. And I, I know that I'm guilty of this too. So I'm, I'm watching myself for those tendencies as well. Um, we're in the midst of this Venus retrograde here at the beginning of January. Like I said, we're going to see a Kazemi on the 8th of January at 18 degrees of Capricorn. And then the, the, uh, the direct station on the 29th. Um, this is really speaking to a review of some of our bureaucratic structures with the third decan of Capricorn. Um, so we'll get to that in a second. I'll, I'll, I'll break down the decans in, in depth here. Uh, and we, we, will, we will use that as a canvas and a foundation for all of the you know, more minor uh, transits that we're gonna be experiencing. I'll also break down today some of the, the synodic cycles of important planets, because we've got a lot of um, action happening right now with like Venus's synodic cycle, with Saturn's synodic cycle is actually going to play a role here in January as well, as we see Saturn making its heliacal setting and its Kazemi eventually, I believe in the beginning of February. So I'll explain all that in depth. But if you have questions on any of this, feel free to slow me down. I, I, I have a few hours for you to, to spend with you today. If you have questions on things that I'm going through, um, I might try to go a little bit faster than I normally would when I'm having a conversation with a guest. But I want to have a conversation with all of you today. So uh, future past astrology saying as an Aquarius sign, I've often had to struggle with the inflexibility of my progressive views. Hello, Saturn. That, yeah, that's that's a really great realization, future past. I think that anytime we can become aware of the tendencies that we're falling into, um, that can help us to make a choice in the moment that maybe, you know, help us to find balance and equilibrium. I really do believe that the planets are, you know, they, they have an influence on our character and our actions, but we do have this ability, I think, to make a choice in the moment if we come become aware of the influence that they have. I don't think we have to completely be a slave to the planets. I think that once we become aware of like this feeling that we get and recognize them as feelings, we don't always have to act on those feelings. Um, and, and I think that's really one of the the greatest realizations I've had from studying astrology is even though I may be influenced by some of these planetary or stellar energies, I can make a different choice in the moment through my awareness. And that awareness in Greek, uh, you know, in the Greek philosophical system uh, was called nous or pronoia, the ability to have the foreknowledge of something so that you can make a better choice in that moment. Uh, Lisa says that we only see the reality that reinforces our beliefs. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Lisa's always hitting the head, uh, the, the nail on the head with a lot of her realizations. Maybe Lisa can come join me on a, on a show one of these days because she's, uh, she's a great astrologer in her own right and has a lot of really great um, philosophical thoughts. So thank you, Lisa, for all of your contributions here in the chat. Dimphy's joining us on the solstice from the Netherlands. So welcome, Dimphy. It's always nice to see you as well. All right. Um, yeah, pretty big day coming up on the 18th of January with uh, Uranus turning direct, the North Node moving into Taurus, um, and then shortly afterwards, Mars is going to be moving into Capricorn. I'll get to all that, though. Let's start breaking down the first decan of Capricorn. So I'm going to break this down in 10-day 10 10 sections and talk about the canvas we're going to be painting on. So from January 1st, to January 10th, we're going to be working through the second decan of Capricorn. 
So in the first decan, and if you can see in my little window here, we've got the two of pentacles type of energy where we see the, the, the shifting of the day and the night dominance, where we see the return of the ascension of the sun in the sky. So every day the sun rises a little bit higher after the winter solstice. So it's like the return of the light. We are at the darkest point where we had gotten, uh, we were carrying the burden or the load of the, of the Ten of Wands in the last decan of Sagittarius and feeling overwhelmed and saying, we've just got to get to the finish line. And in these first few weeks of Capricorn, we're trying to, you know, weigh the year that we just lived and figure out where we might want to plant our seeds moving forward. So after a few weeks of that, I really think today in particular, as I'm talking about this on the 21st, is a great day to set intentions as well. I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, intention setting should, should start around the solstice time, not necessarily just January 1st, that arbitrary calendrical date. Um, but once we start January 1st, though, we're going to be firmly in the second decan of Capricorn. And that decan has some syncretizations with the three of pentacles in the Rider Waite tarot here. And in that card, we see three figures uh, working together on an ornate cathedral structure. Austin Coppett calls that decan the pyramid, and we're talking about the area of the zodiac between 10 and 20 degrees of Capricorn. This is a Mars-ruled decan in the descending Chaldean order. Uh, in the triplicity system, it's ruled by Venus. So we can think of it maybe as a combination of those energies, or depending on which system you use, you can choose which ruler would fit best for you. Uh, the Book of Toth calls this the Lord of Works, and Book T, Material Works. Um, the daimon or spirit associated with Capricorn too is Hygieia, the goddess of good health, a daughter of Asclepius. So one of the things that we think about with Hygieia is to be able to do or, you know, really um, meticulous work or hard labor. You know, there's a lot of uh, talk about, you know, blueprints, architecture, labor and toil, building your castle, laying the foundation after you found, found the right location. So in the first decade of Capricorn, we may be saying, where, what are the pros and cons of a particular area that I want to build in, whether it's philosophical or physical? Once we get to the second decade, we're like, what's the plan? What are, how are we going to build this step by step? So it's also about gaining support for your vision. And one of the things you can do to support your vision is to take care of your body. So, so you, you're not going to be able to do hard work if you're not um, staying healthy, right? I mean, a, a stronger... Uh, skeletal and um, you know foundation is going to help you move forward with your plans. Um, so that brings in the diamond or spirit hygieia. Uh, we may be bound to a, a very daunting task in the second decan of Capricorn. You know, it's still a Saturnian sign where there may be things that we have to do that aren't necessarily fun, but we have to kind of suck it up and, and do the hard work necessary to really you know, bring things into material form. One of the things I like about, that Liz Green says about Capricorn and Saturn in general is that in the myth of Kronos, he castrates his father, Uranus. And she says that Capricorn, or I'm sorry, that, that Saturn likes to castrate things into being. Because what you're doing with Saturn or Kronos castrating is, is you're castrating future possibilities and concretizing it into some kind of material form. So who 
which planet in the zodiac is very concerned with endless possibilities? Well, that would be our friend Jupiter or Zeus. And Saturn's going to come along and say, well, these are the, these are the limitations that you have. These are, the, these are the possibilities that are going to be uh, let go of when we actually commit to something. So this is why we think of it as commitment, as something of that nature. So when we're thinking about Capricorn 2, what kind of things are you committing to? What other possibilities do you have to let go of to make your material vision a reality? Um, the, the, the danger with this Deccan and with all Capricorn Deccans on some level is getting overly ambitious. Uh, the, 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 the fatal flaw of hubris where we are shooting a little bit too high with our, with our you know, vision, where we're trying to reach a spiritual goal through material means. This brings up some of the thoughts of the, the tower card, which is a, a Mars ruled card. So we could think about that, like the negative side of the three of pentacles, maybe that tower card, where if we're getting to overly materially ambitious, ambitious, we may, that may be leading to a downfall because there's some things that we can't reach just by, by material means alone. And, and that's something to be keep kept aware of and, and bring us into temperance and balance. Um, we've got a couple fixed stars in this Deccan uh, that are important. We've got uh, Vega at 15 degrees of Capricorn and Rukbat at 16 degrees Capricorn. Vega being a fixed star in the, the lyre or the, the instrument of Orpheus. So that one having to do with charisma, um, with being able to soothe, play the music that soothes the savage beast on some level, artistic ability. Uh, Rukbot is in Sagittarius, the archer. So there's some themes of you know, moving towards our goal and aiming towards a target. So those things are active in this Deccan as well. All right. So if, as we move forward into the daily part of Capricorn 2, we're beginning the month in a balsamic moon. So this is really the end of the, um, the lunar phase. And on, on New Year's Day, Happy New Year's, uh, the sun will be making a trine to Uranus. So here we're beginning with a sun-Uranus trine in the Earth signs. So we can see that right here. And this is a, a very uh, electric type of aspect, right? Where we may be tasked with um, finding a new way to utilize our resources. Sometimes, in you know, and if it's you just had a, a fruitful, abundant Christmas or whatever holiday that you celebrate, maybe you received a, a new gift or something that that you're putting into into use. Maybe you got some new technology or something that will be a tool to help you to move forward in a container for your creativity. So this would, this is a great time to think of a new way to organize your life, uh, to find a fertile new rhythm as well. Uranus and Taurus is really asking us to find a new rhythm to the, to the way that we organize our days and our structures. I did this uh, recently in the last few weeks as we, as we actually <laughs> have the Saturn Uranus square. I put up this uh, this dry this giant dry erase board this two month long ca calendar that was a dry erase board in my kitchen so that I could see a little bit more into the future and give myself a little bit of runway when I'm scheduling guests for my live streams when I'm trying to prepare for my readings and my webinars because I was finding that 
with all of the different tasks that I have with my astrology business, you know, it just was starting to feel a little bit overwhelming trying to pack it all into like a week or one week before those things were due. And by giving yourself a little bit of runway and, and myself in this case, um, it's, it's, it, you're able to pace yourself better. And I think that this aspect, this, this trine between the sun and Uranus could be speaking to that a little bit. Like, how do you pace yourself? How are you going to build in a way that is innovative, in a way that is allowing for the new rhythm that's required of you? A lot of the times we try to do uh, a new task with an old method, and that can really lead to a lot of frustration. And as creatures of habit, we, we, we say, well, we had success doing it this way in the past, and, and uh, well, I'm going to apply that method again because it brought me success. But this, this is when we're required to change and be flexible and find something new. So that's how we're starting off our first day of January. When we move forward to the second, uh, we're going to be looking at a new moon. So, oops. There we go. We're back. And we're back. Screen share. So what we're looking at here is a new moon in the second decan of Capricorn that we just kind of talked about a little bit. And I'll break this down in depth with my friend, my good friend, Andrea from Croatia. Uh, she's very well versed in animal symbolism as well. So I'm looking forward to having a good chat with, with her regarding that. But here we see the new moon on January the 2nd. At 12 degrees of Capricorn, just some basic themes with this. You know, this is, again, we're going to be bringing in the trine with Uranus, I think is the, the major aspect with this. So this may be really the time to, to start that new routine, to start building your new, I don't know, your new empire, your new project, whatever it is that, that inspires you. This, this new moon is going to be hosted by Saturn, which is an aversion to the new moon, but there is a Hellenistic technique called lichen girding, where if a planet is in the same sign uh, as its ruler, uh, they have this secret line of communication on some level. Uh, so here we have the two signs of Saturn being Aquarius and Capricorn. So there is some secret uh, communication between them. So this new moon, you will be able to draw upon the energy of Saturn and working through communicating through the realm of ideals, the platonic ideals, and maybe the more material realm. So that's good. Uh, we've got Venus still retrograde, uh, co-present with this lunation. Um, yeah, the, the moon is in exile, though. That's the thing about these Capricorn new moons, is this is a difficult place for the moon. So this may be something where it's we're experiencing a lot of hard work, where the nurturing that we're normally uh, expecting to receive, the gentleness is is hard to find. This is where we just feel like we're grinding it out and it may be difficult to find the the, the more softer support that we need. Um, I, I have an animal of the month here as well, and I'll get to that in a second, but just to, to give you some thoughts as I go through this, uh, the animal that I pulled for this month was the deer, which, which speaks to gentleness and intuition and finding our way in this kind of, um, I don't know, going with the flow type of way rather than just, you know, trying to be super aggressive about pursuing our ambitions. So, so think about this as how are you going to find the support that you need while you are building your castle, building your pyramid, building whatever is important to you? How are you going to take care of your body like Hygieia would, 
would require of you to make it through to the end without burning out. I know this past week for me and my family has been just really, really busy. I don't know about all of you, but um, I'm ready for just some downtime. Uh, but I think that if we are balanced, if we give ourselves runway, uh, we can achieve great things. It's all about consistency. This is one of the secret superpowers of, of uh, Taurus II. This is where I have my moon, and this is where Uranus is asking us to, to do something new. Is It's not necessarily about doing everything in one day. It's just about showing up and doing those tasks for the day and then showing up again, and then showing up again, and then showing up again. Even if you don't feel like it, just show up. Take a rest when you need to rest, but, but keep doing the little things that will eventually lead, up, lead into a, a great, grand work of art. Uh, future past astrology is saying, oh yes, new approaches to using time. I love hearing about all the ways that people fill out uh, their Saturn Uranus Mad Lib. <laughs> I love that. I love that Saturn Uranus Mad Lib. We need to create some of those, don't we? Uh, Remco is here from the Netherlands. Nice to see you. Uh, Remco, thank you for joining us. You always have some uh, insightful comments as well. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in hearing what all of you have to say about these aspects. I'll try to keep tabs on the chat box. Remember that I do have a, about a 20 second delay when you put your comment in there to when I see it. Um, so if I if it's uh, you're like, oh, well, I said that 20 seconds ago, <laughs> you'll know why. Um, all right, so that's our new moon. I, we're going to be working pretty hard around this period of time. Uh, trying to build something for the for the year ahead as we we the, the sun starts to gain in light. Remember, you know, Jupiter is in Pisces at this point too. So one of the things that I think would be helpful is to really get clear about what your why is. Uh, a lot of the times the labor of Saturn um, can really be supported when you have the sort of the moral fiber and the 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 passion and the philosophical impetus of Jupiter supporting it. One of the only problems I see with Jupiter and Saturn right now is that they are an aversion to one another. Jupiter and Saturn were working together for a period of time over the last half of 2021, but now they're, they sort of have slightly different agendas being an aversion to one another. Jupiter is really wanting to, to go off into the, I don't know, the wilderness of the mind and the imagination where Saturn is saying, hey, it is important for us to talk about how we're going to organize our, our idealistic, our, our society moving forward. We've got some things going on in, in uh, America um, around the inf social infrastructure. And this is one of the things I think is being delayed right now because of June, uh, Venus retrograde conjoining Pluto. We had sort of a backdoor deal between some of the Senate Democrats that they would pass the, the hard infrastructure and then the, the, eventually they would pass the social infrastructure, things like elder and child care, things that would support um, money to, to combat climate change, uh, some, some prescription drug price um, help for people. And then some of the Senate Democrats started to back off on this um, you know, some of the more centrist central Democrats uh, started backing off right when Venus went retrograde. And that's exposing some of the, the corruption that I think we are seeing with the Venus-Pluto conjunction in the third decade of Capricorn and the, the bureaucratic structures. And it's frustrating. Um, I'm sure that there will be some movement with this eventually, fingers crossed, because I do think that the social infrastructure is just as important as the hard infrastructure. 
Um, but that's some, some of the things that we might be seeing as we move through this new moon. Now, the other thing that's happening at this new moon is that Mercury is moving into the sign of Aquarius. So this is a shift from Mercury's journey in Capricorn in the, the late stages of, of December. So here we see Mercury hanging out now with Saturn. And this, this decade of Aquarius is uh, consecrate, or con, oh, sorry, is, is synchronized with the five of swords. So here we see a figure that has got, had some kind of conflict. This is a, a card that's called Defeat um, in the Book T, in the Book of Toth, where we have a, a one figure collecting all the swords, another, other, another two figures going off into the frontier, into exile. So remember I said that we had everything on the outside of the castle walls as Aquarius, where you may need to start thinking of things in a unique fashion when Mercury moves into Aquarius, where the outside the box thinking is really important. Um, because it's co-present with Saturn, it's really important to think long-term as well. Instant gratification is not one of the qualities of, of Saturn or Aquarius or Capricorn for that matter. So you may have to think about, well, what is best for all different parts of my life or my community? Um, you may have to think in a very sober fashion. Uh, and it may feel, you may feel a little bit like maybe you had a situation in your own life where you where you wanted something to work out in a certain way. And just the just the, the way things are right now are making that difficult. And it may feel like a defeat, but again, there's, there's, there is a gift to be had from planets in Aquarius, even though sometimes it feels challenging. I know for me personally, Aquarius is a tough time of year because when the sun moves into Aquarius, it's the ruler of my ascendant since I'm a Leo ascendant and it feels very foreign, you know, and, and that's what we can think of as a, as a, a planet in exile is a foreigner that doesn't maybe have access to the collective or to the the prevailing philosophical rationale of the time. Now, there's a lot of good that can come from not being part of the the herd or the collective and seeing things from outside the game, so to speak. When you can see how the game is played, sometimes you can go in and you can manipulate the rules a little bit. And I mean that in the best possible way. If you know how the game's played, you're going to have a better chance of success if you are able to see things holistically. So that's some of the things that we're going to be looking at with Mercury here moving into Aquarius concurrently with this new moon. All right. So if we keep on rolling, keep on rolling. Everyone doing okay out there in digital land? Thank you so much for spending your, uh, your solstice with me today. I really appreciate all of you. It's one of the things I'm grateful for is, is this wonderful international uh, community that we've built, built here on this channel and these live streams. It's really, really fascinating, really um, encouraging. Uh, I'm just so grateful for all of you that, that join me from all the parts of the world and that will are willing to spend this time with me. So thank you so much. Okay, what we are looking at here, we are moving on to January the 3rd. And this is a, a fascinating um, aspect that we have here. This is a, a, the point where Jupiter is at what is called the bending of the nodes. So here we have the nodes at one degree Gemini and one degree Sagittarius. And Jupiter is exactly squaring this position from one degree of Pisces right here. 
So anytime a planet is at the bending of the nodes, it's sort of a turning point. It's, um, this is the north bending, so Jupiter is heading towards the north node. Some kind of decision is going to be need to be made uh, in regards maybe to the Pisces area of your life. Uh, it is something where we're heading towards a point of increase. When it's at the south bending, like let's say Jupiter in this case, if Jupiter was in Virgo here, it would be at the south bending heading towards the north node, which would be a point where you'd have to make a decision about letting go, which is one of the significations of the south node. When Jupiter's at this north node here, we're saying, okay, what meaning can we infuse into these new possibilities that are offered to us in the final stages of the north node in Gemini? How can we be flexible? What paths are worth pursuing and which ones need to be let go of? How are we going to go into the, the uh, stratum or the mycelium of our mind to create from our imaginations? And, and how are we going to bring abundance and benevolence and order and peace to our worlds? This is one of the secret significations of Jupiter is Zeus was an order bringer in Greek mythology, and he fought a great war with the Titans to bring order to, to, the, to the realm. And, you know, this is something where you can utilize this Jupiter energy to bring peace and order to your, your respective worlds. And one of the things that I will say about Jupiter in the first degrees of Pisces is we're dealing with the aid of, of we're dealing with the Eight of Cups energy. And there's an exercise that I've been doing lately, and I've talked about this in past shows, but I have a new book called Tarot and the Gates of Light by Mark Horn. You can see this here. And it talks about the, the, the Kabbalistic tree of life and the tarot. And the eights are associated with uh, one of the sephira, or which is a, basically it's like a, a, a spiritual energy center that it roughly has some some associations with the chakra energy centers of the of the eastern system and this sephira that is associated with the eights uh is called hod and hod is the energy of, of humility and surrender so we may be asked to surrender to going off into the wilderness leaving the old material successes behind in search of a new animating principle. So there may be some frustration when Jupiter is moving through the first degrees of Pisces because you, what, what happens is you wake up one day, and I know that I did when Jupiter dipped its toe into Pisces before. It was, saying, it was like, oh, I, I'd been grinding out five to seven of these solo videos every week, really, really detailed, lots of prep work. It was just way too much. And I woke up one day and I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm going to completely burn myself out. I don't have the passion for doing it this way. I still love the astrology, but this way that I'm doing it, the form that I'm doing it in wasn't working for me anymore. And I just said, nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to just do these live streams and then I'm going to, you know, put some energy into creating some webinars and doing more research and things like that. So one of the things that I think you might start to feel when Jupiter moves into Pisces and especially at this bending at the north bending, is I want you to ask yourself, what form does my spiritual energy or passion want to take? Don't get attached to the form, because form is temporal. 
it form is always changing but the the essence remains and if you feel like you're losing something tangible connect with the essence because that's going to be your your place of power is when you get that when you start channeling divine spiritual essence rather than getting fixated on the form and that's good advice for capricorn season because one of the down, the dangers of capricorn season is getting really fixated on the form to the point where you can start to feel overwhelmed with all of the the material responsibilities that you have um so I think that's what we're dealing with, with Jupiter at the bendings here. Jody is here today joining us from Florida. Hi, Jody. She says it's, hi, Spencer, watching while I'm working. Great stuff so far. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate you. All right. So we are moving along after Jupiter is moving off of the, the bending of the north, bending of the nodes. All right, another comment here coming in from Casey Jones. I have a 12th house stellium in Sagittarius, Moon, Jupiter, Uranus, South Zone, and Neptune. Not sure how much further into the wilderness I can go. Yeah, I, I feel you, Casey. I've got a, a couple planets in 12th house. And uh, going off into the wilderness is something that I am pretty comfortable with for the most part. Um, but yes, it's a balance. I think that that's the, that's the key. It's a balance between going off into our imaginations and our mind, the danger of, of Jupiter and Pisces, the first decan is escaping into that world and not coming back and grounding that spiritual wisdom. One of the, the birds that I really like that's a spiritual teacher for me, uh, that I've got a, a little statue behind me, a wood carving that my grandfather gave me, um, is the nuthatch. And the nuthatch uh, is able to bring spiritual wisdom down to earth Nuthatches actually climb down trees, which is very interesting. So that represents bringing things from the spiritual realm into the practical, physical world. So be careful of that as we move through Pisces. Uh, and I've got a super sticker from Jody with a very generous donation. Thank you so much, Jody. I really I appreciate you. Thank you for that donation. Um, if any of you want to make donations, there's a little dollar sign at the end of the chat here. That's called a super sticker or a super chat. And that really does support the work that I do here. And I thank you so much. What you're buying me is really the gift of time to do this research for all of these, these lives and my webinars and things like that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Remco is saying, Hode always reminds me of a sort of mental correction, Mercury, to the impulses of Netzach, Venus. Yeah, I, I agree with that because each of these... Um, Sephira are associated with a planet and Hode is associated with Mercury and Netzach being associated with Venus as Remco is pointing out. What I love about the tree of life is that we do have these balancing energies. You, you really will have a one Sephira uh, on one side and another on the balancing factor on the other. So Remco is pointing out that the balance that we have between Hode and Netzach is eventually leading Okay, eventually leading to Yasad, which is the birth canal. So we combine these two these two energies, and that will help us to manifest something into the material world, which is called Malkuth. Eventually, maybe if I get uh, well versed enough in this, maybe I'll teach a workshop on um, the Tree of Life or the, the Sephira. But I'm going through this 49 day meditation practice right now, where I'm comparing Sephira uh, in a in a way that mimics the the Exodus of the Hebrews from uh, from Egypt and their liberation. So a liberation from freedom and slavery. And it's a really interesting meditation. It takes a lot of mental discipline, but uh, it's really amazing how when you commit to a spiritual practice, it will bring you those lessons. And I've been brought 
many lessons during this practice that I've been doing with my good friend, Melissa LaFara, who turned me on to this book, um, that have really tested me, but also been great teachers. All right, Casey's saying, it's my third house, Jupiter, so I guess I don't have a choice, literally live in the wilderness. That's fun. I want to live in the wilderness. Susanna is joining us from Finland. All right, if we keep rolling along here, um, let's see, am I missing any comments? Stimpy is talking about the mycelium of our mind, right? Uh, And the head is like a magic mushroom thinking out of the box and form. Yeah, I love that mycelium metaphor for for Pisces in particular, because we're really going almost underground on some level uh, and, and learning what it, we're going to, how all these connections are made, sort of like the matrix. I like to think of the matrix with Pisces as well, which is apropos, because right as, as uh, Jupiter's moving into Pisces, the, the, the fourth matrix movie is coming out this week. So pretty interesting stuff. All right, if I keep going here, um, we are moving forward to the 5th, January the 5th, where the, the aspect on January the 5th is a, is a sextile between Venus and Neptune. So Neptune's been hanging out in Pisces for a while here. And here we have a, a sextile between those two planets. Venus in, in Capricorn retrograding is asking us to review our values around how we organize the structures, the material structures of our life. Um, when it's making contact with with Neptune and Pisces three, this is Pisces three is really about the the sacrifices that we're willing to make to bring our vision into the world. It is a, a decan that is about the emotional extremes of of both despair and hope, and um, so we may be needing to get in touch with how we may go to emotional extremes during this period of time. Uh, what kind of things bring us hope and what types of ways can we avoid feeling the despair of our own impending mortality? (laughs) I think that that was one of the things that I've been thinking about with that as well. All right. Um, So this may be a nice time to just kind of take a little bit of a breather to really get in touch with what your your motivations are, um, to be able to regain some of the harmony and balance uh, when you get an awareness of the sacrifices that you are making, you can start utilizing that Venusian energy of bringing things back into balance and back into harmony. So if you feel like you're sacrificing too much or becoming a martyr for a cause, this aspect may help you to, to find the right balance. I'm getting, I got another uh, sticker here from Casey. Thank you so much, Casey, for your, for your donation. I really appreciate that. I love these little beautiful, cute little animals that we have here, little foxes and little lemons and limes hugging each other. It's, it's, it's quite endearing. Uh, Lisa says, I would love to hear more about the tree of life. Gary Caton refers to it on his most recent podcast. Yeah, Gary Caton's a, a giant in this field. He's really good at the, the alchemical relationships and the Kabbalistic relationships. He's a mercury expert. Um, I should have him on the show too. I, I, I think he'd be a great guest to talk about uh, stuff, especially related to, to Mercury. I'm new to the Kabbalah. So this is something that I'm committing to learning in the, in the months ahead. So I, I'm, you are learning right along with me and, but I like it that way. I like when I'm passionate about something and when I'm feeling fired up about learning something, I love sharing it with people. And I hope that you can hear the passion of my learning experience. And I, I may make some mistakes every once in a while when I'm in process, but we're all in process. So 
forgive me for that. And hopefully uh, I'll have some, some insights for you as well. Okay, if we move forward, and uh, I think we may actually come in under three hours this time, <laughs> this monthly, depending, depending on how many stories that I, how many tangents I get off on. But I really love uh, talking with all of you in the chat here. It's fun. This is so much fun for me, being able to, to you know, do these things live. Now, if we move to the January the 8th, this is when we have the, the Kazemi, or the conjunction of the sun and Venus. So here we have the conjunction of the sun and Venus at 18 degrees of Capricorn. This is called the inferior conjunction of Venus, which, which really, it, it just means that it's conjoining while it is retrograde, and it's appearing to conjoin inside the sphere of the sun instead of outside. So it's, or, or the earth, I mean, there's, there's some astronomy associated with it that, um, I probably need to do more research on to have a more clear understanding of, but you can always think of the inferior conjunctions of the, of either Venus and Mercury with the sun is when they are in their retrograde cycle. The, the superior conjunction happens when the planets are direct. Now this is, there's only a differentiation between those two conjunctions when we are talking about Venus and Mercury because the superior planets, the one that are outside the orbit of the sun in the celestial sphere model, only make one conjunction, and that's when they are direct. So we will see that with Saturn coming up soon, but I'll show you the difference between that. JJ is joining us from Holland. Hello, JJ. Thank you for your star emoji. I love, I love that we're bringing the stars into this today. All right, so let's talk about this venus Kazemi inferior conjunction. So this is the beginning of a new, a new Venus cycle. Um, Venus has probably been feeling a little bit weakened uh, as she went under the beams of the sun. Part of the synodic cycle of a planet is it will, there's a couple moments that are, are really important, and it's not just the conjunction. It's the, the moment that the planet becomes invisible, which is, in this case, it would be the heliacal setting of Venus where it goes under the beams. Then we have the Kazemi moment, or when the, the, the planet is in the heart of the sun, and that's when it's sort of getting an infusion of solar vitality. The planet is sort of weakened when it first goes under the beams. And then it's going to start separating and emerging as a morning star Venus. And then it's going to regain its power, like rising from its sickbed. And in traditional or medieval astrology, they would think of a planet taking to its sickbed when it goes under the beams, getting maybe the medicine that it needs when it, it is in, infusing with the sun and then rising from the sickbed and going you know, back out into the world. But this is going to talk about a shift from Venus's evening star phase to her morning star phase as a warrior Venus. Now, my favorite Venus expert, if we think of Gary Caton as the Mercury expert, um, my favorite Venus expert is most definitely Shu Yap of Intercycle Astrology. Uh, she has been doing some really great work on the Inanna story and has a, a fantastic article up about the which phase of the Inanna myth we may be experiencing with, with the conjunction of Venus and the sun. Um, so the inferior conjunction. And one of the things that she talks about is that this may be the point in the cycle where, you know, Inanna has to, uh, has to sacrifice someone from the, the upper world to the underworld to be able to escape back into the world of the living. It's like a trade on some level. 
So there may be some things where we're saying, well, if we're going to move forward with, with a new phase of our life, we have to give up something. There's, there's always a trade-off when we're trying to build something new. And this is happening at 18 degrees of Capricorn, where we, where this is that second decade we're talking about, about building new ornate structures. Uh, I want you also to look to the Taurus and Libra areas of your chart. Every one of us are going to have different topics associated with Taurus and Libra. In this case, in this Taurus rising chart, this arbitrary Taurus rising chart that I have on here, the, the themes that would come in through the ninth house where the, the Kazemi would be happening through our belief systems would probably have an impact on how we, on our body with the first house, how we view ourselves and our personality, our character, but also the way that we take care of our bodies with the sixth house, um, maybe the way, the way we organize the, the routines and the work that we do behind the scenes that we might not get a lot of credit for. Um, the actions that we're going to take before we bring things to completion, which is also a signification of the sixth house, being the cadent house from the angle on the seventh house. So do that exercise for your chart. And if you want to get in touch with some of these things uh, in more depth, uh, I, I, doing a reading with me is a great way to do that. Um, I have three month ahead readings that are really great for getting into depth with these nitty gritty details as well. And like we can kind of look at your perfected time lord for the year, look at where all these things are happening in your particular chart. Um, but again, you may be feeling a new impulse, a new thing that you want to build. Um, so this is a pivotal moment for the Venus retrograde cycle. So check out shoes work. Recognize you're going to be getting an important download in regards to how you create harmony in your life. It's going to be related to Taurus and Libra, and it will be happening through the vector of the Capricorn topic in your life. And that'll be different for everyone. Okay, as we move forward on to the ninth, the next aspect that we are breaking down is the last quarter moon. So here we're getting to the, I'm sorry, the, the first quarter moon, pardon me, I misspoke. So this is the first quarter moon where we have a square, the opening square in the lunation cycle. So this is the point after the new moon where we may be having some kind of existential crisis. So th this first quarter phase is some kind of difficulty or challenge in bringing the new energy that was infused at the sun-moon conjunction into reality. Think of new moons as the solar div divine light, the, the impulse being infused into the moon, which is the body. So this is like saying, okay, here's the moment where we're planting the seed of divine awareness into a lunar body. And when we get to this first quarter phase, we may, we may be tested, right? And say, well, how are you going to, how are you going to bring this into reality? What is the test? What is the super, what is the heroic act that you're going to take to make this seed uh, into a mature plant that will, will see the maturity of that plant at the full moon. And then eventually at the last quarter moon, we, 
we see the, the decay of that plant and we have to let go and we change our minds and we get ready for the next cycle. So here we're seeing a square between the sun at 19 degrees of Capricorn and the moon at 19 degrees of Aries. Now Aries too, this is very close to the exaltation degree of the sun. So th there may be something where because Capricorn too requires the cooperation of others, we may feel some conflict between our individuality within that plan. And we may say, well, this is what I need. And many other people may be saying, well, this is what I need. And I want to be the sovereign um, king of this project. So there, there may be some, some challenges of figuring out who, who the boss is, how you create identity when you're working together in tandem to, to build an ornate structure. So think about how you can um, be the master of your own domain while still contributing to the, the ornate physical structures that require cooperation. And this is bringing in some of the things of the hexagram that we'll talk about at the end of the show, uh, which is I'll just to preview it, it, being able to work with others and cooperate is important to this hexagram. Okay, I'm checking the chat here. So Future Past says, I love the idea through the myth of Inanna's underworld journey of stripping away the external to find courage and connection. Yeah, that's a great part of that myth where, you know, if you're not familiar with the, the myth of Inanna, again, Shu Yap has some great material on this, webinars, articles, all of these things. Um, but the basic gist of it is that Inanna had to go through these seven gates into the underworld to visit her sister, Reshkigal. And each one of, in each one of these gates, she was stripped of a particular, I don't know, chakra type of energy. Um, and then uh, had to face Ereshkigal, was killed by Ereshkigal, and then resurrected eventually by being sort of rescued by mourners that were having compassion for Ereshkigal's pain. And then she leaves the underworld and eventually is gaining back these chakra energetic powers through these gates and re-emerging into the world. So we've got these different cycles where different uh, energetic centers are being activated. Uh, and those, if, by the way, those activations happen at the Moon-Venus conjunctions. When we have a crescent moon, we're going to see Moon-Venus conjunctions um, and chakra centers either being having a release depending on Venus's cycle or having an activation of them. Now, I'm not as well versed in all of this as Shu, so uh, I don't want to make a mistake by trying to overly explain this, but that's the that's the gist of it. And again, um, support our friends from Down Under. She was a, uh, an off-the-grid astrologer in Australia. Um, and really have some great conversations with her. I'm a big fan. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> so, first quarter moon, establishing your own sovereignty within the plan. We're moving a separating aspect between the sun and Venus. Right now, now we're starting to get, we got that download from, from the sun and Venus is now starting to separate and rise from that sick bed and maybe gain, gain some energy, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Pardon me. It's very dry in the Midwest here. And sometimes when you're talking for two hours straight, <laughs> I know what it feels like already. Yeah, get a little bit of that the coughs in the throat here. Dimphi is asking, do you mean the natal Capricorn or the transits in it? Mm, you're going to have to clarify that question a little bit more, Dimphi. I'm not sure 
what the context of that is since we had a little bit of delay in our uh, in your question. So I'm going to move on, but if you put your clarification in the chat, I'll, I'll see if I can circle back around to it. All right. So that is the first decan of Capricorn. I'm sorry, the second decan, second, second decan of Capricorn, the first 10 days of the month. Let's move forward to the sun in Capricorn three. So I'm going to break that down real quick. Let me see if I can go through these a little bit quicker. So I'm not here for three hours. Maybe we'll get in under the three hour mark. Or if you want to just go on <laughs> an epic journey with me, that's fine too. Um, let's see what we've got here. So Capricorn three starts on the 10th. So you can see that the sun has moved into 20 degrees of Capricorn. So this is the area of the zodiac between 20 and 30 degrees or the beginning of Aquarius. And this is a Sun-Mercury ruled Deccan. Uh, we have some associations with the Four of Pentacles here. This is a see, you see a figure that is holding on very tightly to his his coins or his pentacles, with one on top of his head, and he's standing on two beneath his feet. Um, this has some association with the Sephirot Hesed, which is uh, the the flow of loving kindness, like boundarylessness. Although with this Pentacles card. We may be holding on too tightly and blocking the flow of love. Uh, this is one of the things I'm learning from this new book from, from uh, Mark Horn. So I guess one of the things to be careful of during this decade is getting so rigid that you are blocking the, the, the flow of, of love. Um, I, I would say in a positive way, th this may be a container for, for all of that spiritual essence and that energy. And we may be starting to administrate the things that we've built in the second decan of Capricorn. So being a solar ruled decan in a, in a Saturn ruled sign, what I've experienced from clients and from people in my own life is that there's, there's a pretty weighty feeling of responsibility in this decan. Um, you will be given administrative tasks. I also associate this uh, decan with the government and like bureaucracy. Um, so Remco's taken off. Nice to see you, Remco. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we'll see you the next time. Um, so we are going to be thinking about how to utilize our our boldness and our courage in this decan, since it's a solar world decan, because the daimon associated with it is called Toma. And Toma is is a it, it, it translates specifically to to courage. So you may have to dig deep when, when the sun's moving through this decan to be able to manage all of the things that are going on in your life. This is the decan of CEOs and kings and seats of power. But again, don't get, don't get fixated on power itself. Power is just a vehicle. And I think that when we're in this decan, we have to think about how do we use that power to serve? If you're using, utilizing that power just to accumulate, things can go very wrong in this decan. But if you're using that power and those resources to serve others, that's when things, that's what you can be at your most powerful and power that will be, have less repercussions if you're using it in service of others. Okay. Um, Andrea says, I already see the topics of my 10th house in Taurus beginning to poke me. So the January will be very interesting and exciting. Yeah, me too. Me too, Andrea. Uh, we share a Leo ascendant, so interested to see what new things will be coming in the year ahead. 
Future Past is saying the Four of Pentacles, 38 Special, hold on loosely. Yeah, I agree. It, it is very easy to um, hold on to things too tightly. Uh, you know, 38 Special, hold on loosely. Don't let it go. You hold on too tightly, you're going to lose control. And that's true. If you become too authoritarian, if you become the dictator, that's when you start to lose the, the, the control of the people that you are managing, right? Because you will, you will, uh, the next decan that comes after Capricorn three is Aquarius one, which is sort of about rebelling, you know, <laughs> like, and you experience a defeat uh, if you if you try to manage with too too heavy of a hand. Remember, this decan is also the exaltation of Mars as well at twenty eight degrees of Capricorn, so it, it could be very easy to get a little bit um, overly martial in this decan as well, but strategy comes into play. Mars does well in this decade because there's strategic thinking. There's an ability to see the big picture. Uh, there's ability to do the hard work necessary, but but also to be able to um, be patient and, and see sort of how all of it is going to work out long term, sort of like making a battle plan, like a, like a five-star general or something like that. So um, yeah, enslavement to the material world is one of the dangers of this though so don't don't become a slave to the to all the structures that you've built and that you have to manage all right so let's take a look at some of the the aspects that we're going to be seeing with capricorn 3 and we're going to start off on the 10th with a sextile between the sun and neptune so this is something where we recently had venus making that sextile so now the sun is taking its turn making a sextile between those two planets so this is just going to bring in some different themes. One of the ways that, that I look at things as a, from a Hellenistic perspective is what house is that planet responsible for being the clay to? So in the sun's case, it's our Leo house. So if we take our Taurus rising example again, if we are bringing in the themes of the first and the second house, or first and the sixth house with Venus ruling those from the, and you know providing those from the ninth, in this case, we're going to be providing significations through the Capricorn channel for the fourth house. So if you had a Taurus rising here and Taurus rising in the audience today are getting <laughs> some extra special, extra special help today. Um, but you may see that through this Venus, I'm sorry, this Sun Neptune sextile, that this may be applying to the foundation of your life, to your family, to your property, to your domicile to your house that you live in um, and you may be thinking about whether there are sacrifices that are necessary or different administrative tasks that you have to to go through um, to be able to manage all of that so that's that's what we're doing on the the 10th if we move forward to the 11th 11th is interesting because we have another uh we have another neptune contact on the 11th and this is the applying aspect of mars and neptune now, now Mars and Neptune, I just have to admit, I'm, maybe it's because Neptune's in Pisces right now, and this is totally just my cognitive bias here. <laughs> like I'm, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a really a huge fan of Neptune. And mostly it's just because having a lot of Virgo placements in my chart, I don't really like feeling... Um, everything dissolving together into a soup 
And I feel like that's kind of the Neptune energy is everything merging together in this transcendence type of feeling. So my, my personal experience of Neptune transits is I just lose energy and lose steam and all of my like ability to separate things out into categories is, is challenged. So as a collective, we may be with Mars moving through the last degrees of Sagittarius we're dealing with this, like holding the, all the sticks, right? This is that decan that's associated with the last decan before the solstice, where we're trying to really get to the finish line, right? We're trying to, you know, we're barn eager, like a horse that is in the last few miles of a long journey. And when Mars in this decan hits Neptune, I feel like it's just like we unplug the drain in a, in a bathtub or something. And all of our energy is like, just going down the drain, right? Um, I would be gentle with yourself around this period of time. A lot of us might be grinding pretty intensely around the first few weeks of January. And this this aspect on the 10th, between between probably the, the 9th and the 11th is probably gonna have us feeling pretty tired, pretty much like asking ourselves the questions, is this sacrifice really worth it? is my energy being put in the right direction? Um, and I think that the the key with this is going with the flow. If your body's telling you to rest, take a rest. If you're banging your head against a, an immovable object or a brick wall, take a time out and maybe think of a new, a new method. Sometimes just giving yourself a time out from a, a problem that you're dealing with can help you find a better solution. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, just resting will allow nature to take care of the problem for you. And that's, I think that's, there's some real wisdom in that. And that's a lesson for me to learn as a, as a very Virgo heavy person. I know some of you think I'm a Virgo sun. I'm actually a cancer sun with a Taurus moon, but I have three planets in Virgo. And it's really, those placements really get tested um, with these Pisces stuff. And, and Carol is, uh, agreeing with me here, Virgo stellium here, that Neptune explanation makes so much sense to me, right? Yeah, I just, I mean, I think anything, when you have a, a bunch of planets in opposition to a placement, you, you may feel a little foreign with that energy. Um, but Neptune in general, I think, has a, a dissolving quality. Uh, Robert Schmidt would call Neptune the transcendental moon, which I thought was very interesting. He thinks about Uranus as the transcendental sun, uh, where it is like the collective hopes and desires and dreams and points of consciousness in Neptune being the universal substance, like the body that, that those universal themes are trying to infuse into. But think of Neptune as if we're separating things out with the sun as, as choosing a point of consciousness, Neptune is going to dissolve things back into like this primordial you know, unanimated soup. And I really like that, that description of Neptune that Schmidt has, Robert Schmidt of Project Hindsight. Because I feel like that. I feel just like a, a blob when there's prominent Neptune transits in my chart. I have a book on Neptune by Liz Green that I have not yet engaged in since I have a million books that I keep adding <laughs> to the list to. But I'm looking forward to her take on on Neptune as well, because I, I always appreciate the myths that she brings in. But just from some cursory glances at it, there is a quality of 
of crusading, sacrificing for an ideal, trying to rise above the, the mundane aspects of our life. Um, but again, give yourself some runway when you're having prominent, prominent Neptune placements happening or transits. All right, let's keep on moving. When we get to the 14th of January, here we see the retrograde of Mercury. So Mercury stations retrograde on January the 14th at 10 degrees of Aquarius. Okay, so this, this is called a moment of phosis. Anytime we have a, a, a stationing, that planet's energy becomes uh, concentrated and those themes are going to start to become more prevalent in our experience. Phosis was a word that, that I learned from Robert Schmidt that means an omen that speaks. So Mercury is going to be speaking very loud around January the 14th. Uh, this is a, it's retrograding in a face of Aquarius that is associated with the Six of Swords, where we see a, a two figures crossing a river you know, being ferried across from one place to another. So there may be some traveling challenges if you're doing any traveling around this period of time, but it's more about traveling between worlds. Mercury, this is a, a Mercury ruled Deccan as well. So this is where we're traveling in between the world of, of ideal, idealized forms and seeing if we can bring that back to the, to the, to the earth, like the nuthatch. This is also a, a Deccan that is about communication between the people on the on the edges of society, the people maybe that are on in, in more of exile, and the people that are the insiders, the ones that are in the more the center. So people of in positions of power versus the masses. So there may be some challenges in those types of relationships right now as well. Now another thing that we see around this period of time is that Mercury is going to be moving under the sun's beams on the 15th. So we've got the retrograde happening on the 14th, and then Mercury is outside of 15 degrees, or, or is heading, I'm sorry. Let's see, let's see what's going on here. Yeah, so Mercury is going to be heading into the underworld, all right, as a, in its retrograde phase when it becomes invisible. So you will literally not be able to see Mercury in the sky when it, joins 15 degrees of distance to the sun because the sun's beams will block it out. And in, in myth, and this is something I've talked with Gary Caton about, is this is the time when Mercury goes into the underworld, Mercury Hermes being a guide of souls as a psychopomp, leading the souls of the dead to the underworld. So there may be something that we're having to, to release to the underworld that it may have some relationship with um, the way that we communicate between centers of power and and it may we may have feelings of being in exile as well with mercury in aquarius around this period of time we may be going internal to figure out new innovative ways to do things that are outside of the box communications may break down a little bit around this period of time um, but Eventually, we'll have the Kazemi, the Mercury Kazemi, where we're infused with a new sense of purpose, and then eventually Mercury will rise outside of the beams and we'll be able to function again in that regards. It doesn't mean that mercurial things 
can't work at all when Mercury is under the beams like this. It just means that it's a little bit more behind the scenes, maybe a time for negotiations behind the scenes, um, where we are really trying to understand our thought processes around things. Mercury likes to question things and destabilize stuff. So it, it, this is times where you're questioning, how do you relate to power? How do you move between your narrative that Saturn is providing here? How do you, how do you question which glass ceilings you're accepting? Which limiting beliefs are you letting stop, stopping you from manifesting? And maybe, uh, how can you maybe open up to a larger perspective around this period of time as well? Um, as we move forward, I'm checking the chat. We've got Catherine joining us from the Canary Islands. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we've got uh, Andrea saying, I wish you all again a happy solstice. Enjoy your day going back to Santa's shop. Thank you, Andrea. Um, Join us on, on January the 31st. Andrea will be coming and talking new moon with us from Croatia, I think. So very fun. Another another fun international uh, contributor to the channel here. I'm so happy to be able to have these gift, these guests from these gifts, these the gift of guests from all over the world. I have a special affinity for um, I think Scandinavians and Canadians, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can bring in the what is this the the Baltic area as <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, anyway, so moving forward, uh, we are building in this period of time towards a Sun-Pluto conjunction as well. So as Mercury goes under the beams at this moment of Phasis on the 15th, the Sun is going to be applying to a conjunction to Pluto. So a lot of the themes that we may have gotten a preview with, with Venus conjoining with Pluto earlier in December, uh, during the beginning of the retrograde, we're going to have the sun illuminating those issues as well. So this could be a, a, awareness of power structures, awareness of corruption around maybe governmental structures or the way that we're administrating power in our own lives. Um, this is something where, you know, in, in the past, I've, I've literally seen abductions in the news with, with sun Pluto aspects, you know, Pluto, Hades erupting from the underworld and abducting Persephone. So this is something that, so these are themes that crop up every once in a while. But in your own life, I think it's important to bring the, whatever is in shadow into the light around this period of time. Um, recognize that when you bring awareness to something that's been repressed, I think this is one of the things with Pluto as we push things underground into the underworld. When we bring those things into the light, it's much easier to deal with them rather than having them bang around instinctually behind the scenes, creating all sorts of challenges. Um, so this may be a great time to, to do a little bit of solar cleansing of the backed up Capricorn areas of your life. If, if you have a system that you're working on uh, that helps you organize your life, reevaluate it around this period of time, really get clear onto what you're, what, how you are administrating that power. Are there any integrity breaches around that as well? There's, there can be some power plays and power struggles around these periods of time as, as well. There's also some times where this is, can, can be an awareness of our relationships to authority figures. So I would, I would caution you not to get into a battle with an authority figure around this period of time because 
it can bring out sometimes it can bring out the worst in in those types of relationships and those imbalances of mm, equal, like equilibrium between who has the 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 authority and who has the ability to hold power over another person all right as we move forward we are going to see do that buddy on the 16th that's that's our conjunction exactly on the 16th and that's bringing us to the full moon in cancer i'm also going to be having a guest on january the 12th uh, my friend sam bellier from i believe he is from florida who is uh very well, well versed in various healing modalities. He's a um, a, a foot reflexologist and a, a a tarot card slinger, a very good astrologer. Um, brings in some, I believe, some traditional Chinese medicine into the mix as well. Um, really knowledgeable, really knowledgeable person, and uh, he'll be helping me break down this full moon. So I'm very excited and looking forward to to hearing his thoughts on the show as well. So let's talk about this full moon. Now, a few things with this. We've got an opposition between the sun and Capricorn. Remember, we just had the conjunction between the sun and Pluto. So this this full moon is probably bringing to light some of that Capricorn Plutonic energy, right? And when we have the moon in Cancer, we're having some awareness of scarcity and abundance. This decade of cancer, it really has to do with the haves and the have-nots. Um, it's sort of, it, it's a, the daimon associated with this decade is Hecate. And this is the energy of realizing that when you give life to one thing, or when one thing, you know, embraces abundance, it is, it can be at the expense of others. So we have to think about if we are abundant, how do we share that abundance? Austin Coppock calls that deck in the overflowing cup. Um, so we may have to think about how we're distributing our good fortune or how we are, you know, you know, feeling a lack of that good fortune as well. How we're balancing our, our domestic responsibilities and our professional ones. A, a lot of the times the Capricorn full moon with cancer moon here is, um, is one where we're working really hard and we have to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on at home and how we're supporting ourselves and behind the scenes in a in a way that isn't necessarily public and a lot of those things could be revealed around this full moon um again i think that the, the themes of power plays could be at hand here as well um be careful that you're not utilizing any manipulative impulses with it, with your family as well. I mean, sometimes it's easy to, in pursuit of a goal or pursuit of increasing our material resources, it can be really easy to be um, not super nice to the people that are our are, are our domestic foundation. Um, and I think that communication is really important with that, but also scheduling time to be together with those that you love. Uh, this is something that I routinely reminded myself of as a younger person is um, trying to get to the top of your field doesn't isn't really a a fun thing if you don't if you get there and you're all alone right if you get there and you don't have anyone to share it with 
So maintaining your integrity and your relationships as you move forward in your ascension to whatever goal that you're trying to achieve is really important. And I think that may be coming to a head around this period of time. Now, another thing that I wanted to point out that's happening around this full moon is a, a fixed star placement that I'm very curious to see of what kind of energy we're experiencing here. Here we have Jupiter at about four degrees of Pisces, and this is a fixed star called Fomahawk. And Fomahawk is the mouth of the southern fish that's at the base of the Aquarius constellation. So we've got Pisces Australis, the southern fish. Not, not, it's a different fish than the Pisces constellation that we use for our, for our zodiac. Um, but we are receiving some kind of water of life with this Fomahawk. It's a, it's a fixed star that is a, one of the four royal stars of Persia that used to mark out the, the, um, the solstices and the equinoxes. So this one, before precession hit, used to be in uh, Aquarius, in tropical Aquarius. Now, because of precession, it's in tropical Pisces. But it's very interesting because th this this fixed star has to do with charisma, idealism, uh, has a visionary quality. I've heard Austin Kopic describe this star as like the wizard star. So like you're kind of like Gandalf or, or Merlin or something trying to utilize the magic of being able to go into the, the matrix of your imagination and create from that space. So I think that's going to be helping throughout all of these maybe more challenging plutonic energies. Uh, so this is something where I, I think if you tap into that creative energy and be able to utilize your, your really positive meditative techniques um, where you trust your co-creating abilities. And I say co-creating because I, I think that sometimes we have to surrender to the, the, um, to fate. And sometimes we are, we have pronoia where we can manipulate our fate. And I, again, I use that word in the most positive sense, or we can work with fate to create a better outcome sometimes. And I think this may be a time where Jupiter is going to be assisting with that. So realize that you do have power, that sometimes, even if you feel helpless, there is a, there's always a divine source that you can connect with that where you can find strength and where you can find healing. And I think that might be part of this, um, this full moon as well is connecting with that, that internal strength with that internal ability to find meaning in what you're doing. This is a great time to ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And is it in service of the greater good or is it in service of just an egoic selfish desire? Not to say that you can't take care of yourself, but it has to be a balance. Okay, so that's our full moon. Another thing to, to point out at this full moon is Venus is going to be emerging from the beams. Now, there is some debate, including my good friend Shu, because Shu is, lives in a place that doesn't have light pollution, so she goes out and visibly witnesses all of this. Um, but Venus is emerging from the beams at 15 degrees of Capricorn, I'm sorry, 15 degrees of separation at 13 degrees of Capricorn from the sun. And there are some, there's some debate. There's some authors that say that it's like 12 degrees. I, I can't remember what the aspect that Shu uses, but it's slightly less than 15 degrees in Shu's opinion. So technical details aside on that, this might be a part of time where all of the things that we've been working on with Venus are starting to become visible. 
And, and this really works well with the, the visibility of the full moon too, where something is ripening on the vine. So all of the hard work that we've been putting in, all of the new restructuring of our proverbial blueprints of the pyramids of our life that, that support us, we may start to see some of the results around this period of time. And I want to give a shout out to my daughter, uh, Sophie. It's her birthday on January the 17th. So happy birthday, Sophie. Uh, she is turning 18 years old, so pray for me. But I'm excited to see her journey uh, into, into adulthood and um, very proud of the, the, the woman that she is becoming and the hard work that she's doing to be able to do good in the world. My daughter is um, thinking about being a, a librarian uh, going to school to be a librarian and and um, helping people to connect with the services that the library pr provides. She has a third decan Capricorn son, and um, one of the things that she's interested in doing is uh, helping to get grants for libraries and and be able to advertise the types of services that libraries provide that people might not be aware of. And that's a really great use of that Capricorn three energy is is being able to manage resources and administrate resources for the greater good. So, so happy birthday, Sophie, and, and I love you very much. All right, so this is our full moon. The other thing we're gonna be seeing as we move forward to the 18th is we have a few things. This 18th day is a big day. Uh, this is one of the peak days, I think, of the month of January. Okay, so let me try to break this down. There's, there's three very important things happening on the 18th. And I'll try to circle them and point them out. First of all, Uranus is going to be stationing direct at 10 degrees of Taurus. So this, is, this will feel like a, an ability to integrate some of the new rhythms and routines in regards to managing our material resources so if you've been reviewing the new things that you want to incorporate into your life in the Taurus world area of your life and how you manage your resources and your time, this could be the time when you really start to see things move forward and the, the, the wheels are greased to, to be able to bring that new Promethean energy into your life. The next thing that we're seeing is the nodal shift. So we have the, the North node moving into Taurus and the South node moving into Scorpio. And this could be changing the, the types of themes that we experience um, in regards to what is increasing in our awareness and social values and what is decreasing. We've just gone through a period of time where we had an increase in the Gemini area of our lives and in Gemini in general, where we were increasing the need and the ability to be flexible. We needed to see things from multiple different perspectives. And we needed to release the South Node, some of our old crystallized belief systems about maybe the way that, that things should be done or the way that they've always been done. We saw a, a little bit of a destabilization in the Gemini area of, of our lives, um, where truth was a little bit hard to come by sometimes. It was very difficult to figure out what was real and what wasn't. Everyone had an opinion. And finding out what information in real time was legitimate and what wasn't became a little bit more of a struggle with those those nodes in that position. I, I tend to believe, like some other astrologers say, that the nodes are they are they shake up the areas of life that they are in. 
Um, in Vedic astrology or Jyotisha, they think of these nodes as the the head, the severed head of a, a demon, or and the severed headless body of that same demon. And that demon was trying to consume the elixir of life. And because that was a big no-no, he had his head chopped off by, I believe, I don't know if it was Krishna or, or another um, prominent deity in that system. Um, so what does that mean? Wherever the, the North Node is going to be going, we may have a desire for increase that is insatiable, a hunger for that, that in our lives. Wherever the South Node is, we're probably going to be processing old karma, old forms are going to be released in that area of our life. So what is increasing? What are we desiring when the, when the nodes move into Taurus? Well, the, the, especially in the third decan, we want material increase. We're going to be you know, dealing with new, maybe new forms of currency. We're going to be dealing with new rhythms, new routines. I think that one of the things I was meditating on is that since the nodes move backwards for the most part, they retrograde for most, most of the time, we're going to start out in the third decade of, of Taurus, which has to do with the forces of nature that threaten our crops and our fields and the seeds that we've planted. It has to do with like pests and pestilence that threaten the fields. So I think with this, this change uh, with the nodes into Taurus here, Potentially, there could be some more natural disasters that we have to deal with. Um, the effects of climate change could start to be felt even more intensely, and we have to figure out what we're going to do about that. Um, I think there could be disruptions in supply chain things that we're already seeing. Uh, unfortunately, uh, and this is a, something I discussed on a previous show with Michael A. Bryan, it may also speak to some, some issues with inflation, uh, hyperinflation in America, and some financial reckoning that the United States is going to be going through uh, that could have an effect on a global scale as well. So I would say that as far as what the South Node would be do, doing to balance this out, we may be reducing our um, addictions. We may be uh, composting our need to feel reliant on other people sometimes as well. There is some themes of independence in Taurus as well. Uh, we may be reducing the way that we merge with others in way, ways that are toxic. Um, there's some themes with Scorpio with this like deep emotional bonding, and sometimes it can be healthy and sometimes it can be challenging. Uh, so, so those are some of the things to start considering with this. Uh, it's also going to increase, I think, the power of Uranus and really shaking up our material reality. Uh, I, I don't have an exact idea about what that could be. Um, I, have, I have some kind of various general themes, but the astrology always surprises me on some level. But I think my main advice for that is to connect with the center of the hub. These turnings are going to keep on happening over and over and over again. And this has never been clear to me as to when I started my career as a professional astrologer. Is It's endless. And if, if you constantly get swept up in all of these changes, you're going to burn yourself out. And ultimately, I think the goal of studying astrology, and this is something I learned from my astrology teacher, Chutabhava of Nightlight Astrology. Go support his Kickstarter, by the way, if you haven't. He's doing some great work. Um, is that when we get centered and when we realize that this is, these are all just ephemeral spinnings and turnings, 
that's when we really become at peace. So I think that if you want to increase your sense of peace, you're going to have to release some of the anxiety of all these changes that are coming and flow with them in, in the way that maybe a Taurus would. You may have to be a little bit more patient. You may have to release some of your emotional intensity and say, well, this is, this is fine. This is good enough. As a Taurus moon, sometimes the vibe I get is there's an inertia quality where it's sometimes it's difficult to get started, but once you're started, you can't get, you can't stop. There's another quality of like just satisfaction. Like this is a, the, the nocturnal domicile of Venus where you're trying to harmonize your inner world. You're trying to get in touch with your body and saying, oh, does my body feel good? If I feel it good inside, I can create peace in my external world. And a lot of times Tauruses, if, you know, they, if, they're, if they're good internally, then they're good with whatever's going on around. I mean, that's true for me. If, I, if I'm feeling good within myself, like they're going to be chaos around me. And I just like, whatever, I'm good, you know? <laughs> like, so there's, there's disadvantages to that. But, but I think that that's the key is, is finding inner peace around this nodal shift. Um, and doing pr- practicing the self-care and, and realizing that, you know, material reality isn't the only reality, even though it may feel like we're losing some things or there's some disruptions around how we utilize our resources. Um, coming back to the center is always a good, a good plan. The last thing that's happening on the 18th, because there's one more thing that is important, is... You remember I was talking about heliacal settings of planets? Well, check out Saturn. Saturn is making its heliacal setting, which means it's coming within 15 degrees of the sun. It is becoming invisible in the sky under the beams of the sun. So Saturn is weakening. Now, what does that mean? I did some research on this earlier in the year um, because I was fascinated by the heliacal synodic cycles of, of Saturn and Jupiter and all of these planets and Mars. The Saturn one's important for the collective. Um, we are seeing Saturn weakening as it goes under the beams. So the last time we had Saturn setting, that's what it, it's called heliacal setting is when it goes under the beams and Saturn's taking to its sickbed. The fabric, the ordering structure of society starts to break down. Now I'll give you the last date or the lead up of dates when Saturn was going under the beams. It was roughly between January 4th and January 7th of 2021. Do any of those dates sound familiar to all of you in America? If they do, they should, because those were the dates that we had the, the insurrection at the Capitol and the, the storming of, the, of Congress and the breakdown of, of structure around that period of time. So it felt like all chaos was, was uh, we had a transition of power and it felt like everything was breaking down and uh, it was a point of anxiety. Now, I will also remind you that Mars was moving in the last degrees of Aries and moving into Taurus at that point too. So we can't say that we will experience the exact same thing again, because Mars will not be doing that this time. But we may see, and as a collective and in our lives, some of the breakdowns of some of the old ordering principles, some of the old blueprints that we are working on. And it's temporary. There may be about a a 15 day or two week period that we feel a little bit out of sorts as the sun comes into conjunction with Saturn. That Kazemi is going to be happening on February the 4th. So if you can hang in there 
until February the 4th, there'll be an, a new infusing of structure back into your life. And then eventually Saturn will make its heliacal rise on February the 20th at 17 degrees of Aquarius. So we're going to be getting a new, um, some new idealism, some new ways that we're ordering our lives, some new narratives, some new um, intellectual ideas that help to uh, organize all of the actions that we take. And if you feel a little disorientated around time, this time, that this, this might be contributing to it. So in review, on the 18th of January, Uranus stations direct in Taurus. The nodal shift happens from Gemini North Node to Taurus North Node, and the South Node moves from Sag to Scorpio. And Saturn will be making its helical setting and moving under the beam. So again, all of those things together speak to a pretty big day for, for most of us. We will feel the energetic shift significantly around this period of time. All right, let's move on. So we've made it through Capricorn season. Now, just one, one final thing before I move on. Uh, the last time the nodes were in Taurus, North Node was, was between uh, April of 2003 and December of 2004. So I want you to look back in that time if you want to make some connections between some of the things you might be experiencing again around this period of time. Okay, now moving on. Everybody doing okay out there? We, we still have, anybody still with me? <laughs> like, I see we've still got some people here. Thank you for hanging out with me. And thank you for all the donations that you've been making in the chat. I really appreciate that. The super chats, really appreciate your support. This is a great time to remind you to like this video if you, if you are watching. You can really do me a huge favor by uh, getting it out to more people and, and making the algorithm uh, happy. <laughs> As we move forward to the 19th, we're going to be seeing the shift of the sun into Aquarius. Okay, Future Past says, I love how thorough you are. Very impressive. Thank you, Future Past. That is one of the things that uh, I, I get that a lot. Thoroughness is the, is the word to describe my, <laughs> my approach to astrology. It's not for everyone, but for those who are into it, I think it is. I hope that I'm providing a service for all of you. I just can't help it. That's just the way that I am. Um, that's the way my brain works. And some of you don't you don't always have to take all of it in. But if if some of it piques your oracular uh, neck hair, I will call that. Then then it will be worth it, right? And and I think oracular neck hair is when you get those little little bumps of recognition when something hits a nerve or when something is is truth for you. And Tanya is stopping in from inside the house saying, Maximum Spencer. <laughs> like, yes, this is you, you you all haven't gotten a face full of Spencer in a while, right? With these one of these solo podcasts. Um it these having guests has been a real good experience for me. As a Leo ascending, um it having a guest has really tested me to uh, learn how to listen learn how to create space for others while also contributing. And I think that it's, that's why I'm keeping it where I have guests on some, and I, maybe I'll do these, these monthlies solo, just so there's a balance between those two types of things. And I think that sometimes you need to get 
the heat of the sun <laughs> like with these with just the leo rising and sometimes you need uh my taurus moon where we're just bringing in everyone and, and that's why i think it's good for the moons where we're collecting uh everyone's opinion and seeing if we can find the balance there um tanya's <laughs> our new band name is oracular neck hair i love it uh and uh nadini is pointing out my my virgoness here um yeah, I am. I am. I am. Uh, I have a lot of Virgo fans. <laughs> and Jupiter, Jupiter and Virgo, Saturn and Mars and Virgo. So you're you're hearing a lot of that in these shows. But thank you for bearing with me. And and I apologize if I'm not, not your cup of tea. Uh, I will actually not feel super bad about that because you know at the end of the day, there's so many different options for ways that you can get your content and. I'm just being myself. And if it's not for you, that's okay. There's other other ways to get this information. Um, but again, I really appreciate all of you who hang out with me in these lives and love this interaction. Okay, let's move forward to and finish up with the last uh, kind of decanic period of time, the last 10 degrees. I think we're at about, what time are we at here? How long have we been going? Oops. Anybody tell me in the chat? Where are we at? We're at. I'm wasting time just thinking about it. We're at an hour and 45 minutes here. So if I think if we if we power through, we can get in under the three hour mark, closer to two and a half hours. So if you if you've got another 30 to 40 minutes for me, we'll break down the rest of this. Uh, everyone is such a trooper. Okay. At some point, if someone wants to be my time stamper, uh, <laughs> that might be helpful too for this audience. Okay. So as we move forward to the 19th, we are seeing the sun moving into Aquarius. Now, a couple things happen as the sun moves into Aquarius. This is a Deccan uh, that's called the Mark of Exile in Austin Comics book 36 Faces. It is associated with the Five of Pentacles, I'm sorry, the Five of Swords card, where we do see a figure that has experienced some kind of conflict and defeat. All right. This remember we said this is about going off into the frontier, being exiled outside the castle walls. So we're we're on the fringe now. We're going off into um, into our own you know area that is not in the center of the society. We're on the on the periphery of the society now. The Sephira associated with the fives in tarot is called Gavura. And Gavura, man, I had a real experience with Gavura during our, our um, meditation. I did a whole Gavura week. And really, Gavura is about structure. Gavura is about discipline, boundaries, um, limitations, but containers as well. So we may start to feel with the sun in the first decade of Aquarius that we're dealing with some kind of limitation, some kind of boundary that we're trying to, to create in our life. Um, we may feel like we've got ideas that aren't being accepted by the powers that be, but we have to still, if we believe in something, and this is one of the secret keys to Aquarius, if we believe in something, and even though we may not get the recognition that we deserve for it, we need to kind of go ahead with it anyway, if it's, if we really feel like it's in alignment with our integrity, um, that's the difference between Leo and Aquarius, is Aquarius doesn't need the applause or the audience and in fact sometimes has to go against the grain to be able to carry out their saturnian mission 
right? To, to carry out what has to be done for the good of the future generations, for the good of the long term, rather than just the moment that we can see with, with Leo sometimes. So, so I think thinking long term, delaying gratification, releasing the need to have uh, approval from people in your life. If you know it's the right thing, then, then go for it anyway. Um, the daimon associated with this decan is called daiki, which, which uh, translates to justice or liberation on some level from, from any unjust social structure. Sometimes the reason why we go off into exile is because we've experienced some kind of injustice. We, we say, oh, well, this, is, this isn't fair. So we're not going to participate in this corrupt institution anymore. So see you later. We're going to go live on the fringe of society. I know this, my friend Shu has some uh, prominent Aquarius placements, and she's living off the grid. And I, I've had some good conversations with her about this very, this very issue. So, so think, about, think about that as we move forward. We've got one fixed star in this decan. It's at two degrees of Aquarius. It's called Altair, which is the it's a very it's it's associated with the military. Um, it's a military star, which it's in the constellation Aquila, which is a an eagle, the eagle of Zeus carrying the thunderbolts. So we may feel like we're you know carrying the the <laughs> some electricity around that that time when the sun hits that fixed star. Um, but try not to get too uh, fixated if you're feeling um, excluded. Sometimes you may go off in intentional exile, and that's okay. It's okay to, to not be visible all the time. The sun's at one of its weakest points here. The sun ex itself is in its exile. So we may not be able to do things for our own individual desires when the sun is in Aquarius. We have to think in more collective terms around this period of time, more altruistically, potentially. Okay, so that's, that's the sun in Aquarius. Uh, we're seeing that on the 19th probably around the end of the day on the 19th. When we move forward to, we'll move forward a couple days. And here we are moving to the 23rd. Okay. And we've got on the 23rd, whoops, I'm going by hours. <laughs> It'll take us a while. Sorry, keeping a lot of things straight during this forecast. So on the 23rd, you can see that we have Mercury making what is called its inferior conjunction with the sun, or it's conjoining the sun in the heart of the sun, Mercury Kazemi. So this is when Mercury is renewing its, its energy, um, where it's receiving an energetic boost from the sun and the furnace of the sun. Think about it as we've had something, some old form that needed to be burned away. The dross needed to be burned away, if you want to think about it alchemically. And now we're, now we're heating something up with a new sense of purpose. We can forge it into something new, and then it will emerge renewed when it makes its heliacal rise. Uh, so with this Kazemi, new ideas. It's very, very close to that fixed star Altair. So maybe there's a new way of strategizing. Maybe it's innovative. Maybe it's outside the box. Maybe you're feeling a little bit on the fringes, but lean into that. This is a Venus ruled Deccan. And one of the, the significations of this Deccan is being able to, to find beauty in things that other people discard. And, they, and Austin talks about copper 
and a coppersmith in this Deccan in 36 faces, where he's working, the material he's working with is maybe not as of high a value as gold or silver, but you can still fashion something useful with it, right? Copper is a really useful metal. So, so think about that. What can you create that's of use? How can you create beauty from things that other people have discarded around this period of time? And how can you make it useful for not just yourself, but for your community? All right, so that's our Kazemi. Amber is asking us, does that look right to you, the Venus retrograde hot dog emojis? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what, what you're referring to, but I like the hot dog emojis. Venus retrograde is, is going to be fun. Yeah. We're, we're seeing Venus is about to station direct, so we'll get to that in a second. So hot dog emojis aside, when we move forward the next day, I love the hot dog emoji, actually. It makes me want a hot dog right now. Um, I'm bo- I was born in Chicago, and, and I always like a good Chicago-style hot dog. At, uh, if you, any of you are from the Midwest and you know of a place called Portillo's, uh, really great Chicago dogs if you're in that area. But anyway, my Taurus moon is, is coming out now. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out that on the 24th, not the other thing, as we just continue to move on, starting to get to the point where I'm fatiguing, is we are seeing the ingress of Mars into Capricorn. So here is Mars's movement. What is going on here? Sorry. Here is Mars's movement into Capricorn, January 24th, 7.52 a.m. So Mars is gaining a whole mess of dignity. This is the exaltation sign of Mars. Um, so it's at the height of its powers. We, we can think of the two of pentacles energy where we may be directing a lot of our energy into finding a new place to lay our foundation where we're weighing the pros and cons of an area and, and discovering what the laws of the land are. This is great for strategic thinking. The reason why Mars can do really great work in Capricorn is because it's able to both take action, but do it in a way that's very patient. I was discussing this at the beginning of the show where you're able to say, okay, you're able to think about a battlefield, for example, if we want to bring Mars into the the picture and say, what is the strategy? Where are we going to send the troops next? How are we going to, you know, figure out how this is going to work out for the long term? Mars and Capricorn offers a lot of endurance too. It's very different than Mars and Aries, which you may have a burst of energy and then you may get tired. Uh, it's different than Mars and Scorpio, where it, Mars may be directed towards, you know, emotional bonding, right? And towards really like fusing with someone else's consciousness. In Capricorn, Mars is really saying, all right, we're going to build something. We're going to lift some heavy stuff. We're going to think about the long term. We're going to pace ourselves in a way that is helpful for for creating something that will last. So think about that as you go forward. The other thing I could think about is the combination of courage, Mars, and the stoicism of Saturn. So courage and stoicism can lead to calm under fire. A lot of times when you find yourself in a conflicted situation, 
If you freak out and you panic, you're going to make the problem worse. One of the benefits of Mars and Capricorn is that you may be really sober in your thinking. So the way you approach your problem, the way you 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 have your plan of attack is is through calmness, through centeredness, through being able to say what is necessary to do right now. What do, not what do I what do I want or what do I desire, but what is really necessary. So that's happening on the twenty fourth. As we move forward to the twenty fifth. We're seeing Mercury retrograding back into Capricorn. So we've got Mercury dipping its toe back into Capricorn to be able to review, okay, the our bureaucratic structures again. And it will be making an application to Pluto. So you may be discussing something moving forward. Now this coincides with the last quarter moon. All right, so earlier in the day before, we had the moon at about five degrees of Scorpio squaring the five degree Aquarius sun. Now this is a chance, this one could be funky. I, I, um, both of the luminaries are in places that they are not happy in. So we have the sun in exile in Aquarius and the moon in its fall in Scorpio. So this one may be something where you, there's some, you may be experiencing a loss. Five of, of cups has a figure in it that is mourning. Um, but but the key with this is to, to not get fixated on what you've lost. Because getting fixated on what you've lost could lead to a, the defeat. Or maybe the defeat is, help, is causing you to fixate on something that you've lost. But returning to the point of gratitude is a way, to, I think, to get through this. While also identifying the types of habits and behaviors that may be leading to suffering. One of the things that I uncovered in my Scorpio Deccans webinar is that a lot of the composting energy of Scorpio is about getting rid of desires that are based on trying to keep old forms alive that are no longer vital. So when you recognize the need to let go of something, the suffering comes from trying to keep that thing alive. And that can lead to all sorts of things like addiction, like corruption, like, you know, heinous acts that are out of alignment with your, your moral fiber. So identify anything that you need to release around this period of time. And it's a really great time for releasing bad habits because it's, it's a last quarter moon as well, which is all about really releasing. The waning moon is about, you know, getting rid of stuff. Like in the disseminating phase after the full moon, we're releasing the wisdom that we learned at the full moon. But at this last quarter, we have sort of an existential crisis where we're saying, how do we prepare ourselves for that new lunar cycle that wants to come? All right, I live this cycle. This is, I have a last quarter moon phase and it's always, it's, there's a lot of second guessing that happens. And sometimes that creates a lot of pain. And sometimes when you just make a decision and get rid of something, that's when you can feel at peace once again. So that's what I would recommend here at this last quarter moon, letting go of old desires and utilizing unorthodox methods to move forward with your life. Got a couple things coming in on chat. Uh, Amber is saying from the movie Blades of Glory, <laughs> like the two. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to slowly leave. Love you, Spencer. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for stopping by today. Uh, and I, I'll have to rewatch that Will Ferrell movie. Uh, I think I've seen that one once, but I love Will Ferrell, and uh, I will, I will think of you the next time that I watch it. Thank you, Andrea, for being here today. Future past saying, exalted Mars for my solar return. I wonder if this year I finally get buff. Yeah. 
yeah, the commitment to lift heavy things, right? I think that would that's a great expression of Mars and Capricorn is saying, all right, I'm going to do the heavy lifting and I'm going to commit to it for the long term. And Susanna ha has given us a super sticker. Thank you so much for your donation, Susanna. I really appreciate the support of all of you and the, the donations that you make to the work that I do. It really it fills my heart with joy and it helps me to you're you're buying me the gift of time to do the 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 research of these these nitty gritty um, type of forecasts. All right, so that's our last quarter moon. We're we're rounding the bend to our last few aspects here, and on the twenty eighth, on January the twenty eighth, we're moving through that balsamic. We're going to begin that balsamic moon phase. We see Mercury making the conjunction with Pluto. Okay, so here's our Mercury-Pluto conjunction, the 28th and the 29th, all right, of January. So again, we're, this anytime Mercury and Pluto meet up, there's there can be a, a, either a mental fixation on something, we can get obsessed with an idea, there's an intensity that gets infused into Mercury, but again, we may be questioning and exposing some of that corruption that, that Venus was also bringing up as well. So you may be negotiating some kind of deal with somebody in a power structure situation. So I think that this is the time where you may be communicating with people in authority, with people that may be either your boss or that you have authority over. And there may be a restructuring of who is responsible for what around this period of time. So that's the main thing I can see coming out of this um, Mercury-Pluto conjunction. Similarly, we also see Venus turning direct at 11 degrees of Capricorn on January the 29th. And this is happening trine Uranus, you know, so we've got this Venus Uranus trine that's, that's uh, now it will be separating, but we're, this is a time where we can really start incorporating the new plan that we've been reviewing and the new values that we've been exploring over the Venus retrograde period. So unifying with others will become easier when Venus turns direct. Okay, so this is something where, remember, third, second decan of Capricorn is about gathering together with others to achieve an ambitious project. So now you may be able to see that start to move forward again. So this is about getting the team on board, right? Uh, your, your innovation for resource management, material resources may, may start to move forward again as well. So again, Another big day, end of the end of the month here. This is also going to be coinciding in this little section of time with an applying aspect of the sun to Uranus. So you can see this is applying right here. Uh, this is it perfects on January the 30th at 10 degrees of Aquarius and Taurus, respectively. Oh, so there may be some a little bit of restlessness around this period of time, some disruptions that we may feel on a collective level. Uh, there may be some challenges around resources around this period of time. I think that um, there could be some financial market like instability uh, around this Sun Uranus uh, square. There's an awareness of a need for collective action around our resources. This could also be a time where we're seeing some some natural uh, events happening that may throw us for a loop, that break us out of our routines, that require collective action. 
Uh, I always hope for the the safety of everyone out there, but we're we're definitely seeing more extreme weather events happening. We just had, you know, some crazy tornadoes in the heartland of America that were very unexpected that did a lot of damage. Um, so we'll see. I, I guess I would say without going too crazy about it, have your emergency plans in place if you live in an area that is susceptible to like power outages or things of that nature. It never hurts to be prepared. You shouldn't be over-prepared or, or live in fear, but at the same time having a good, you know, like making sure you have flashlights, making sure you have some emergency food or things like that, that can really give you some peace of mind so that if anything like that could happen in the future, you'd be prepared or more prepared than you would be normally if you didn't have that stuff in place. Recently, we had a power outage uh, a, f- a couple months ago, but it was very disruptive and we realized that our emergency plan wasn't really on point. We had a, a an entire 24 to 36 hours without power and we needed to get new flashlights, new batteries for stuff, and we needed some like emergency pantry food that wouldn't go bad. And just having those things on on lockdown is, I think, is a good idea around this period of time. Um, so that's the, the 30th with the square of Uranus and the sun. You could have some really great ideas around this period of time if it's not some big natural disaster. It could just be something where you're really trying to incorporate some new new thing into your life, but there's a little bit of tension around it where it feels a little bit uncomfortable. And leaning into the discomfort, I think, is is better than resisting it. The other thing that's happening on January the 30th, and really the last thing that we have for our forecast here, aspect-wise, is we have Mercury. Mercury emerges from the beams. So right at the same time that we have a square between the Sun and Uranus, Mercury will be making a moment of phosphorus and becoming visible once again. So some of those negotiations we may be having with power are going to start to be visible and they may come to light. There may be some things where we see some things in the news about some deals that have been negotiated with government structures or something like that 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 bring a shock to the system. Um, And I don't want to be a fear monger here. I'm, I'm, I'm not all about that. I think that there's always going to be changes we're going through a lot as a community right now. Um, and I think that if you're practicing your good self-care, you're paying enough attention to to know if you need to, to take action, but not getting so fixated on some of these collective things that you, that you are constantly living in fear. There's an important balance to be struck between those two actions. And it's, you don't want to put your head in the sand, but you also don't want to be so immersed in it that you'll... Uh, not be able to function. So that would be my advice for this end of the month here. And thank you very much, Future Past Astrology, for your donation. Uh, I really appreciate all of the the super chats and super stickers that that all of you have been contributing this year. It fills my heart with joy to to be able to have this beautiful energy exchange with all of you today. Okay. Well, my friends, that is the transits for January. Now, I have a couple more things for you. I have maybe a little, to tie a a bow on this, I did an I Ching reading for you, and we have an animal symbol that may help us to understand what we're dealing with. So, I'm going to look at this notes over here. The hexagram that we have for January, and the astrology of January 2022, is number 55. 
And number 55 roughly translates to abundance, zenith, fullness, splendor, or plenty. This is about being generous, about acting decisively in the moment, okay? Uh, Being present and making the most of a good time. Like this, there's a story associated with hexagram 55 about uh, an eclipse that was coming. And the eclipse was a, a, a sign to a leader that had been in exile to return and take the mantle of power. And if, if this person had, had not had the right timing uh, and not taken on the responsibility to do what was necessary, he would have missed his moment. So the key here is to, to recognize the right moment to take action on something, to be able to utilize your good fortune and be generous with others. Uh, and, and there's three changing lines with this. So there's a story that's gonna be told with this abundance. The first line says, abundance is screened so completely that no one can see the pole stars at noon. He meets a Lord who is his equal good fortune. So line number four in hexagram 55 talks about the ability to advance is blocked out or has been blocked out, but now you may encounter the right elements to move forward in your life. And maybe this is Jupiter moving into Pisces where you're saying, well, this is the right time to finally take action on that dream. And you have the support of Saturn to be able to bring that into fruition. Um, combining your enthusiasm with shrewd judgment is important with this line, uh, to finally be able to find the right type of people to work together with, remember, third, uh, three of pentacles here, second deck in Capricorn, to be able to work together on an ambitious project. So make sure you're picking um, good friends and good coworkers that, that you trust. That's important. Line number five says, beauty and brilliance come forward. Blessing and fame draw near, good fortune. So again, we're, we're saying about, they're talking about being modest in, in your endeavors. When you're making your ascension, you, you have to avoid the, the downfall of pride or of ego. Um, you have to remember the people that have helped you as well. That's very important. You have to have the humility to seek help when it's necessary. A lot of the times we think we have to be competent in every single area of our life, and it's just not possible to do that. There are some people that have an expertise in one area of life and delegating responsibility to them and asking them for help can be the most humble act that you can do. And it can really actually create a, a, a much better experience when you're trying to move forward, especially when you're working together with others. So let other people shine in the area that they are, have their expertise in. And if you can master that ability, you can be a great administrator for the projects that you're working on. So invite good counsel. You know, make sure that the advice that you're getting is from people that you trust and from people that have expertise in their field. Because if you're trusting people that that are charlatans or don't have expertise in their field, that can lead to some really awkward situations that you may have to, you know, clean up a mess later. Line number six says, abundance in his house, he screens off his family. He peers through the door, lonely and abandoned. For three years, he says, no one, misfortune. Now, this is a warning at the very top line of abundance, where the abundant times can't last forever. And we, so we have to take advantage of the, the prosperity that we have in the moment. We also have to be aware that if we are hoarding our resources and acting selfishly, that can destroy all the goodwill that we've built with others. So sometimes your desire for power and success can cut you off from others. Sometimes when you ascend to a throne, which we see in the Four of Pentacles, it can make you a little bit 
you know, a little full of yourself and it can make you a little bit like, oh, I don't need everybody's help. I, I've, I'm powerful now. And realize, I think the key with this is to realize that there, along the way, there's been so many people that have helped you to get to that position of power. And you need to return that goodwill to others. And if you are a helper, you, you need to be supportive as well. So share. That's really the lesson of this line. Be generous with what you have. Be gracious with those who have helped you if you are working on an ambitious project. Um, be generous with your teaching. If you, I used to say this in my songwriting classes. If you are an experienced person, get in touch with beginner mind, right? And say, be generous with your wisdom and share. And if you are a, a new, newer person, you know, respect people who have gone through the experience themselves and be willing to learn from them. It's that, that type of cycle of exchange that can lead to success. Okay. So with that four of pentacles card, don't get blinded by that material success. Wealth comes in many forms. Sometimes the wealth can be in wisdom. Sometimes the wealth can be in your relationships. Okay. If you, if you ignore the relationships around you, like say at that full moon in Capricorn, you're ignoring your domestic relationships, that can really put a strain on your professional life. So it's all about balance. It's all about equilibrium. It's all about staying in harmony with all of these energies. Now, this hexagram is moving to number 37, which translates to the family, the household, the clan, the close-knit group, playing your part and establishing reasonable expectations, serving as an example to others and creating mutual, mutual trust with one another. So in, a, in the ancient Chinese household, everyone had a specific role. So if you figure out what your role is, maybe you're better at the support role. Maybe you're better at taking the lead and being the authority figure. And, and it doesn't have to be permanent, one of those roles. You can, you can trade roles every once in a while. That's what, that happens in a relationship all the time. But in this period of time, figure out where your skills and your abilities are going to be best served, whether it's in a supportive role or in a, in a leadership role. And be willing to play that role to the best of your ability and you'll be able to create success by working with others. Be supportive of the authority figures in your life if you're, if you're working in a more subordinate role. Be gracious to the people that you serve if you're in a position of authority. Because, you know, power without service is uh, authoritarianism and corrupt. So think about the greatest leaders, the greatest kings or whatever were the benevolent ones that thought about utilizing that power and service of their community. All right, the last thing I have for you is we'll talk a little bit about that, that deer animal uh, symbol. A deer is a, an animal that is very, uh, it, has, it has significations that have to do with gentleness. Um, a deer is very aware of its surroundings. It's got these large ears, these large eyes. It has a great sense of smell. Um, it is a prey animal, so it has to be aware of dangers. It has to be very observant of its surroundings. So I think that this is important for you to trust your instincts. And if you feel like there's a situation that you're in that may not be in alignment with your integrity or, or if you're in uh, close proximity to someone that may wish you harm, trust those feelings and remove yourself. And, you know, a deer can spring into action and, and run very fast if it's being threatened. So practice humility, gratitude, empathy. Um, you don't, in your pursuit of your goal, you have to be careful that you're not using that iron fist. Uh, you have to be balanced with your uh, communication with others. Uh, this is the, the, the balance of 
Hesed and Kabura, uh, where the severity that you may need to move something forward, the discipline has to be balanced with loving kindness. Your criticism of, of someone that you're working with has to be balanced with a complementariness and, and of building someone up. Remember the compliment sandwich. I think that works with the deer as well. And realize too that a deer is really kind of, it's winding its way through the forest. You know, it, it is, sometimes it's, it's taking what comes, going with the flow. And it's good to have a plan, but it's also good to be flexible. And sometimes there's going to be uh, a little bit of a twist and a turn in the journey and trying to re realize that getting frustrated can lead to additional setbacks. So if you're feeling like, like there's delays in your plan, just relax, go back into your self and your instincts. Remember the deer has some lunar significations. It's a very lunar animal. So go back into your body, take care of your body, recognize that form is temporary and that it, that you can adjust the form if the essence is true. All right, my friends, I think that's what I've got for you today. Really appreciate all of you hanging out with me today. This has been fun doing the, the solo show. I'm excited for the new guests that I have in January. Um, I've got Andrea from Space Tiger Tarot coming on January the 31st to talk about the new moon in Capricorn 2. And I have Sam Bellier coming on, I believe, January the 12th, which is a Wednesday to talk about the full moon in Cancer 3. So please join me for that. I'll be announcing those and doing promo for it. Uh, you can, if you subscribe to my newsletter, uh, which there, there is a link, you can get updates on that, as well as on my social medias. I'm at Spencer Michaud on Instagram uh, and, and Twitter. Please, if you can do me a favor, hit that like button and make sure you're subscribed to the channel. That can really help the work that I do here. Thank you so much for everybody that's contributed. Thank you, Lisa, for the, for the donation. Really appreciate all of you. And I hope that you're having a good holiday season. I hope that you're staying safe. Please be safe. Um, recognize that sometimes the, the vision of how you might want this holiday season to go may not match up with the reality, and that can be painful, but it's, it's okay. You know, this is a really difficult time for everyone, and our expectations need to be tempered. And there's many ways to express your affection and your love for people, even if it's unorthodox. So stay safe, everyone. Um, I wish you a happy holiday, a happy solstice, and looking forward to this journey of the, the ascent of the sun through this new year. So take care, everyone, and I'll see you the next time. Peace.